The creation of Facebook is a character study of the man at the center of that story. And since he won't accept our friend request, we'll just have to see how David Fincher brings his signature style and energy to the social network. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me is one of my friends, David. Drop the the, just Collector's Cut. It's cleaner. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of optional when you're speaking, really. It's, you know, there's, yeah. there's a little bit of leeway. But yes, welcome, welcome everyone. This is a movie podcast. We are working through the films of David Fincher. Uh... You know, we had a vote on Patreon. They picked David Fincher of the directors that had new films coming out, uh, which, you know, next week is The Killer, his new film. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing them in order of release, but obviously The Killer will slot in because it's brand new next week before we get to the final couple of episodes. Yes. But uh, this is The Social Network from 2010. Uh, the last time we had uh, Zodiac, 2007. No, last time was Benjamin Button. Oh, last time was Benjamin Oh, God, he, he, oh he slotted that in. Wait, mm-hmm. I, think, you know I think it's because I wanted to forget Benjamin Button. Yeah, that probably. I, that I have let it escape my mind already. But yes, uh, so we yeah. have a social network. Um, so I remember seeing this in theatre. And mm-hmm. at the time, in 2010, Facebook had become this huge... Th- if, 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 for those of you who don't know, social network is about Mark Zuckerberg who created Facebook. And it's about yes. the the... The trials and tribulations of the 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 birth of Facebook, effectively, mm-hmm. and the some of the enemies that. Uh, but the poster famously said, "You don't get to five hundred million friends without making a few enemies, or something like that." Yep. So. I think that poster was single handedly responsible for face with text over top of it for the next like three or four years, if I remember correctly. No, because Michael Clayton was before this. Michael, oh, that's right. Michael, Michael Clayton, Clayton was like 2008, and I remember that yep. poster having that. So That's true. Uh, but it was a trend, you're right. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. yeah, because Thor had it after this, yep. which is obviously a very different type of movie, but <laughs> they had the, 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 the big, bold text over the, the close-up of the face. So we'll start spoiler-free, of course, as we always do. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. get into it and all the rest of it. But yeah, I remember seeing this in 2010, and Facebook was kind of around its height at that time but that point it went public if i think before i saw this movie i only think i realized that it was around for a while as like exclusive to people who were going to universities and colleges mm-hmm. that was a new th- news to me when i saw this movie but in 2010 when this movie came out it had been public for maybe i don't know two or three years something like that and yeah. everyone was kind of using it it was you know it was like twitter existed but twitter hadn't really taken the crown as the most mm-hmm. used social media thing facebook was the thing at the time yeah. that's kind of remem- you know that's kind of changed since but you know oh yeah i remember i had a myspace because of course i did mm-hmm. and there was uh I, I was starring in a short film with some friends of mine that i i th- only became friends with them because of the short film but they were all making plans with each other on facebook meanwhile i was sitting over in my myspace like <laughs> what are we doing guys i don't i don't know i had to be on a separate email thread but um, then one day I was just like, oh, you know what? I'll go ahead. I'll I'll jump into Facebook. And I'm happy to say I never quite got addicted to it. I was never like really into posting statuses consistently or constantly. But I was at least aware of it at the time where this movie came out because uh-huh. I did that in my sophomore year. 
and then this came out i think one or two years later yeah i i did use it a bit around this time it was kind of i think between people i worked with and people i was because i was in college and university throughout Mm kind of the the early 2010s um i did certainly use it a little bit kind of like people use twitter where i was just kind of posting that as a photo of something a random thought or, Mm -hmm. or whatever um i don't use facebook anymore really the account still technically exists to stay in touch with a few key people but it's you know i i went i I basically went through and deleted all my history just so there was like i didn't want it all there it's gone Mm -hmm. it's it's been erased i think the big thing not to just turn this into a what happened to facebook thing but yeah I, i think there was this turning point a few years after this movie where all of a sudden, everyone's parents and family members started also using yeah. Facebook. And I think that's what basically killed it for people who were... And I'm not even at the age now of, you know, the people going to college and stuff, but, like, I think even for anyone at our age, and certainly the, the generations that came after, it just kind of became a dead thing for that. Now it's like a oh, family yeah. thing, where it's your auntie posting memes and complaining about politics and shit. Quite literally... <laughs> I had the exact same issue, like simultaneously with Facebook and Twitter, because I was just barely using Twitter at that time. And then I post something, I don't know what, but it it was some darker meme. It was something that was not so, you know, family friendly. <laughs> and then my aunt texts me and she's like, hey, is everything OK? And I was like, <laughs> well, I guess I'm not using this anymore. I mean, hell, in this movie, they, they, they outright talk about how Facebook is working because it's cool and exclusive. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, eventually it got so big that it was no longer cool and exclusive. And now, it, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it'll ever completely go away. It's clearly still very successful and that it has a lot of users. But mm-hmm. the people that kind of were there early that were using it, that kind of got it to that point, I think have mostly moved on and don't want anything to do with it now. Either that or they're now also in their 40s and 50s and are keeping it up uh, if you're keeping it up in your 40s and 50s then things are going okay <laughs> oh god i just I, I i can't even remember the last time i used facebook as like an actual social network something where i reached out to someone and said no. like hey how's it going no i mean it's really just a messenger side of it that i use for a couple yeah, pretty people much. and that's basically it and of course they they of course have other side apps now like instagram and such that are still wildly popular but facebook well, in the core process is dead to be fair though instagram yeah they owned instagram now but instagram became successful before facebook bought it so True, yeah so you know mm-hmm. that was a separate entity that you know zuckerberg had to have his fingers in the pies <laughs> if you will yeah. uh so yeah and now they're meta technically the name of the company is actually meta That's right now. that was a whole thing it's, it's weird to me that i accept that one a lot more than i accept twitter becoming x well because it didn't change the name of the, the app it's like facebook the yeah. site is still facebook they just changed the name of the company that owns that and other things uh, Twitter being changed to X is the whims of a madman who just decided one night I want this to change to X and then because he owns it it changed to X yeah and that was it that was it god so, uh, anyway so yeah, that's a bit of context around our experiences with Facebook uh, going mm. into this so I, I said this when we did Zodiac although I didn't say it at the start I said it like two thirds into the review but I'll say it at the start of this one is that mm. any analysis of the characters in this is really just a, is how the movie presents them as you know technically fictional characters they're not fictional they're based on real people but Mm -hmm. when i'm criticizing the mark zuckerberg of this movie i'm not necessarily just assuming that i have that exact opinion of the real person it may be similar there's a good chance it Mm -hmm. probably is but i can't say for certain that this movie's not 
you know, made him look worse than he may actually be. I mean, Possibly. I don't think there's I don't think there's any way you can cast Mark Zuckerberg as Jesse Eisenberg and somehow he looks worse. <laughs> Honestly, that's the first thing I would say is that Jesse Eisenberg was born to play mm. this role in this yeah. movie. And Jesse Eisenberg oftentimes will annoy me and he feels out of place and his whole shtick doesn't work for me. Here, mm. it's, a, it's a match made in heaven, character to actor. Yeah. It absolutely is. So, you know, that's first things first. But before we get into the rest of the cast, David. Yes. Well, you've seen this before, first of all. I have. I think I've seen this twice, but I've definitely seen it at least once. Cool. All right. What do you, you know, after this, this, this new viewing, how do you feel about the social network? I mean, I don't want to really bury the lead here. Uh, way back when we were doing Seven and Alt Fight Club and all that stuff, I said that there was a movie further down that I thought was the best adventure, even over seven. This is it. Ah. This is the movie that I consider to be just everything I wanted. I, I, I will straight up admit I am a sucker for Sorkin dialogue. Like 200%. I just love the stuff, the way he writes it and the way it's delivered. I'm already in on that. Add on top of it, the idea of, the story is super interesting within itself and Fincher. I think there was only one time that I noticed in this movie where Fincher like phased the camera through a pane of glass. And I was like, oh, I, I see you there. I see what you're trying to do, Fincher. But the rest of it was all very much just his normal style. The sort of thing that I grew to really enjoy once I started watching things like House of Cards and stuff like that. So Which yeah, he directed the first couple episodes of, I believe. Right, yep. So all in all, I just... This was firing on all, all cylinders for me. I just enjoyed every aspect of it. Yeah, it's very good. I, I you know, th- this is not like Benjamin Button where I, I wanted to forget it and didn't watch it again because <laughs> I didn't remember liking it. This was just a case of I just, for some reason, never, same as Zodiac, really. I just never got around to seeing it again yeah. until it was time to review. And it's... Before we, yeah. before we sat down, I, I swore I remembered this being one of those like three hour long videos three hour long movies that I just, I didn't get back to it. Cause I was like, do I have the time to commit to it? But we both looked and it turned out to only be a two hour long one. I was like, Oh, that's much more manageable. Yeah. It's, I think it's excellent. I think kind of going along with what you just said there, the pacing is very good. Like I, mm-hmm. I sat down to watch this thinking that I was going to take a break about halfway through. Not because it's too long because I knew I had to get breakfast at some point and mm-hmm. I ended up, just watching it straight through because it was good I, I checked the time thinking oh maybe 20 minutes in and i was almost an hour into it and yeah it's it just it moves at such a rapid pace it's very impressive uh, yeah and it is really dialed down on some of fincher's more gimmicky things that he'd been doing it, there wasn't too much of it in zodiac there was a little bit but not too much mm-hmm. um but you know we, we saw a lot of it in fight club we saw a lot of it in panic room benjamin button like these gimmicky things that well, Fincher's very good. He, he was he was doing all these little experimental things that were sometimes, you know, taken away from the the, the focus that you, you're supposed to have when you're watching the movie. Right. And here, there's basically none of that. It still looks like a Fincher movie, at least at the start. I was thinking during the opening titles when he's running through the campus to go back to his dorm, I was mm-hmm. thinking... This does look like a thriller. It's not, but I like if you told me there was yeah. going to be someone getting stabbed in the next thirty seconds, I'd believe you because it has that look to it. It looks dark and it looks kind of moody, yeah. And so on, but that's just Fincher's 
vegetable style. So there's, there's not much you're going to do about that. Yeah, I was going to say, he's he's kind of just codified this idea of duller palettes and the thrillers that they represent. It's this idea that even... As, I mean, it especially helps that I don't think the entire movie... Well, clearly not the entire movie, but I'd say the whole first act takes place in wintertime. So already you get this idea of these duller palettes are just to represent the weather as a whole as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's very good. Like you say, you mentioned Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. wrote the script. This was actually my first encounter with him. I hadn't seen okay. any West Wing. Um, he obviously went on to write Newsroom on HBO. Mm-hmm. I saw some of that later on. But his dialogue's very good. And I suspect I would like more of his stuff because it is very quick. It's very fast. There's a lot of back and forth and it feels like the dialogue's doing a dance as opposed to mm. a lot of dialogue that kind of feels like it's just it's like struggling to get the point across and like get through the motions and get to the next thing it feels like it feels like he's mozart conducting a symphony with the dialogue as opposed to right. other writers who are just like the dialogue is there what needs to be there and no more uh or sometimes there's more than there needs to be but it, it just sounds mm. clunky and it just sounds like they're waffling on as opposed to Oh, this is sharp. It's it's to the point, and every single line's got a purpose. Everything's telling you something about the conversation, about the character, about how they're thinking in that moment. Yeah. All that stuff. Sor- Sorkin does a fantastic job for me. Of a lot of writers have a problem where they're, as they're writing this scene, they have this problem where they need to make every line this punchy, like dramatic beat. It needs to be this thing where every line hits. And so when everything hits, nothing really ends up mattering that much because they are all these big dramatic lines. But Sorkin, when he comes in, he's able to tell you two conversations simultaneously where neither of them seem to matter right up until a character pauses. And then as soon as it pauses, everything suddenly just comes together and you just understand what everything just happened meant. And it's incredible the way he does it. Yeah, I'd go as far as to say that like Fincher's obviously a good director here, but mm-hmm. I would go as far as to say that Sorkin is the reason why this movie's as good as it is. Not so yeah. much Fincher. Uh, he's kind of perfect for this type of story. I, I think there's very few people who are going to tell me the story of, you know, litigations and people right. suing each other, which is kind of the framing device for this whole movie. Is that there's these lawsuits happening against mm-hmm. Zuckerberg, and we're getting like we're, we cut back to these like hearings every well not even hearings but just like meetings with the lawyers depositions uh, yeah depositions that's the word and mm-hmm. they're you know cutting back and they're that's sort of like the framing for the story as they go and it's and it's bouncing between multiple of these because there's like two lawsuits happen at the same time so mm-hmm. we don't always cut back to the same framing device there's two frame much like you just said about the two conversations there's two framing devices doing a dance back and forth as the movie goes on which yeah. feels very energetic but it always like it never feels overbearing it never feels like it you, you get bogged down and like oh this is too much to take in no. the, the information is so expertly dished out to you as you're going that it's actually very easy to follow as long as you've been paying attention nothing mm-hmm. is confusing nothing is going to make you stumble because you're like wait was that this guy that said that was that the other lawyer right it always works and that's impressive and it's almost like it's harder to praise in a weird way because if this didn't work, I could then point to say, this is why this doesn't work, this doesn't work, and this doesn't work. It's because of these things. It's because mm-hmm. this thing didn't set this thing up enough for that other scene, so now I'm confused in that scene. But because this just works, and that clearly took a lot of writing skill and editing skill to pull off, mm-hmm. 
the only thing I can say is it works. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't for a second sit here and tell you in- intricately why it works. I just thought it just works. Yeah. There is a point in this movie where we introduce this event that happened off screen of theoretically some animal cruelty towards a chicken and it's almost played for comedic beat but what i think is most impressive about it is we never even see this chicken we never see this chicken being around but all the characters talk about it oh and we, you no, just, we, we I, do see it briefly there's a brief do you yeah when one of the conversations like right after it's mostly been explained and mm. uh garfield uh yeah. is talking Andrew to Garfield, yeah yeah so they're talking to each other about the article that's been written and you can mm-hmm. see the birdcage is on the table, and you see the chicken briefly. So, and you hear okay. it. So you do, you do see. I mean, honestly, it's a glimpse. It's a blinking you'll miss yeah. a moment, but you do technically get a little glimpse of it. Well, even then, you don't see the event that they're talking about. No, no, no. You don't you see don't this know. event that's a major point to it. But just the way that they talk about it, you get it. You understand all the important parts of it. You understand everything that you need to understand about it. And if they had spent time actually showing it happening, I think it would have slowed down the pacing to this movie i think it's something that you can just have them talk about and as long as they're descriptive in giving you what you need that's all you need to see it's a weird it's a weird setting where i think that because of the skill of the writing it's actually able to get away with telling not showing for a lot of things well, that's what I was going to bring up is the rule typically is to show don't tell and it's, mm-hmm. it, it falters when you're doing the opposite and I think that the thing that I think trips people up when we're talking about showing and not telling is that people take it very literal. So in mm. this case, the literal would be showing the incident where the chicken was fed some other chicken, and that's technically animal cruelty because it's cannibalism. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to which Eduardo yells out, don't fish eat fish. I'm like, yes, Eduardo, but fish aren't a species. Their entire gripping of, like, you can say mammals eat mammals. Yeah, like that—that that absolutely happens. But anyway, anyway, an army hammers in this movie, so <laughs> More, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, right. But the thing about showing not telling is that when they're talking about this incident and it's bouncing between the lawyer explaining some of it, uh, but more importantly, it's when Eduardo, when Andrew Garfield's asked about the incident and he realizes what they're talking about, we mm-hmm. do see his reaction to it. We see right. how he takes the, the fact that this is even being brought up. We see how upset he gets when it's broached. We see Jesse Eisenberg just sort of sit there awkwardly deadpanning because that's what he does. And we, the point of it is, is that we are, you are showing us a lot here. You're not just telling us things because what you're showing us isn't the event. You're mm. showing us the emotions and the reactions to this event like around it and how it, be, how it was brought up in the moment, but then how it was brought up in the news article where they're arguing about it after the initial incident. Mm. We are seeing all these things, and it is constantly showing you stuff. It's just not showing you the incident they're talking about. Um, I'm sure there's there's probably some fancy term for this in writing, where you've got an off-screen, like, not a MacGuffin, but an event that's like a MacGuffin, where it's it's the centerpiece of what everyone's talking about, but you're never actually going to show it. It's just more about this anchor point, which everything else is being discussed and everything else is bouncing Mm. around. But you are showing things constantly. And the key thing here is that Eduardo feels like this is being brought up as ammunition and it feels like a very political thing where this actually wasn't that big of a deal. Yes, is it technically animal cruelty? Yes, but it's a bit of a technicality that clearly he didn't understand 
and you know he seemed to go through all the proper channels of getting the forgiveness and you know mm-hmm. talking to various organizations afterwards whatever it was right that's yeah. at least that's what they imply so the point is is that it's showing you that these there's the friendship cracking it's showing you explicit moments and the important thing isn't the incident the important thing is how these two people talked about it how they reacted to it how they conversed over it this is what was important and we see that it does show us that so it did show in that tell it's just that when people say show in that tell right yeah it it, it doesn't always have to be as literal as the event you can still Mm -hmm. see things without you know you can still you can still hold something back and see a lot of things you know this is what i'm saying but uh just jumping off what you said in the middle there is that it, the core of it, the core of what we're seeing is this reaction and how the two people are dealing with each other. Mm-hmm. That's the whole movie. Oh, yeah, there is yeah. no action in this movie. There's no, nobody really ever throws a punch. Nobody ever is really, you know, they're not running from the feds or whatever. It's just people talking and screwing each other over for the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a movie that's it's a, it's a character study. It's a character study of Zuckerberg. It's a character study of why he was maybe motivated to do certain things when he did. Maybe some of his less pleasant sort of ideas. Um, mm. And we'll get into all that in spoilers and, and just all, all the things that it's digging into. But for now, I think we'll, we'll run down uh, some cast. of the other major cast members. Obviously, Jesse Eisenberg is Mark Zuckerberg. Andrew Garfield mm. is Eduardo Severin, who's kind of like the co-founder of Facebook. So that's his character uh yep. justin timberlake eventually shows up as sean parker who was the person who created napster right. uh, and for those youngins and to be honest like <laughs> when i got onto the internet and started you know messing around i'm pretty sure napster was already in its dying days by that point yeah. so napster is a very early thing it didn't last that long really but it kind yeah. of popularized the idea of sharing music files peer-to-peer and yeah. obviously the piracy which then happened completely buckled the music industry and yeah that's one one thing they specifically point out in this is uh someone calls out sean and they're like well napster failed and he's like oh did it fail did it really and it's like pointing out how the website itself may have gone down but the concepts that it popularized were the real goal behind it well the exact phrasing was the music studios won the recording companies mm. won and I'm like, well, did they? Because like, because he's right. The entire way that music is consumed and sold has completely changed because of the advent of sharing MP3 files. Like, it yeah. has absolutely completely changed. So, mm-hmm. you got Justin Timberlake and Sean Parker. You got Rooney Mara as Erica, who's a, uh, I'll say, ex-girlfriend, I suppose, of Mark Zuckerberg. I, if that, I would call her the inciting incident if i'm being honest well yeah she is but like that's yeah. uh you know she, she was dating zuckerberg seemingly briefly at the start mm-hmm. of the story um and then elsewhere because everything's sort of you know the, the cast list on mdb at that point it goes into chaos but we yeah. got uh the winklevoss twins both played by army hammer mm-hmm. who this is maybe the one gimmicky thing that's in the movie i suppose and the only time that i ever maybe noticed the softness of an effect shot is that obviously you see a lot of army hammer being on the screen twice and mm. I'm not sure how they achieved it specifically in this, if they did the classic method of just recording him twice, um, or if they literally took his face and digitally put it on another actor for some of the scenes. I'm not sure. Well, but... they do uh, They do immediately under Army Hammer on the cast list have Josh Pence, who is a body double for when they were both required to be on scene, and then they did just copy the face over. 
but I imagine that there's a lot of shots in here where it is, you know, the split screen and one of them's yeah. recording at one time, one of them's recording at another, mean, there whatever was, they could. Yeah, there was always going to be a body double, cause even even if it's just for an over-the-shoulder shot or one of them, mm. you know, there's always going to be True. a body double for anyway, no matter what technique you're using. But, uh, but yeah, if, if they were digitally putting his face onto another actor's face, that's getting into gimmicky territory when you could have just done it the old-fashioned way. I agree, but I, at least for me personally, I never thought that it was too much. Like, as we said throughout the entire Benjamin Button review, there was a lot of points in there where it was, they were trying too much, too oh, fast for, with what they had. For sure. I, I'm not talking about the over... It looks honestly fine. Um, mm. The only thing I ever noticed was, like, sometimes in motion, there's, there's a bit of a softness to it compared to every other shot. Um, okay. And I feel like that was maybe coming from a visual effect. Um, I'm more just philosophically saying that maybe he didn't need to do this. Like, he, oh no, you know, of course not. He, he's doing the digital method when he could have just done it the old-fashioned way, and that's yeah. fine. Or you know, just hired actual twins <laughs> to to play yeah. the role. Uh, and in hindsight, maybe not having Harvey Hammer in a movie would have been a, a better choice. Well, I mean, in hindsight, executive producer Kevin Spacey. Oh, I did notice that in the opening titles as well. Yeah. So we've got a lot of hindsight we could really look back on here. <laughs> oh, God. When Eduardo is accused of uh, animal cruelty, he says mm-hmm. it would be better to be accused of... Uh... Oh, God. Necrophilia. Necrophilia, thank you. Um, yeah. And I thought, oh, the, the, the hammer, the army hammer's in this movie. <laughs> you yeah. can't be saying things like that. Oh, oh God. So, yeah. Uh, so you, you got him. Um, you also have Max Minghella, who plays kind of the the other guy who's with them. Uh, mm. Who you know from from Harvard. This is where it all starts. You know Zuckerberg's in Harvard in two thousand three is where we start the story. So yeah. these are like um, you know classmates, they're, yeah, they're alumni. Yeah, well, they're not classmates because they're like because he's like a a freshman or a sophomore Zuckerberg, and they're like. Mm. You know, they're they're in the fancy country house, they're members of the, the elite club. I think they're still labeled as sophomores, because I remember when they went to the uh, dean's office, he says, oh yeah, they're undergraduates. So You can be a senior I, and be an undergrad. I just, I vaguely remember them saying like sophomore or something as well. I could be wrong, but. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but mm-hmm. but the way they said, because when they're talking about Zuckerberg, they say a sophomore did this, which implied to me that they were uh, that's fair. higher on the that food chain. Older. That makes sense. Uh, as it were, so. Uh, but it doesn't really matter that much. It, it's all just kind of the all, all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. That's mainly, I mean, um, we do have Rashida Jones in a small role. Yeah. Um, Dakota Johnson shows up in a very small role before she was known <laughs> for anything. Uh, and we did review all three Fifty Shades of Grey movies uh, as one we big did. Uh, special episode. Before Collector's Cut even started, we did that entire trilogy. And somehow I still agreed to do another show with you. <laughs> um, uh, the only other one that I would bring up is Brenda Song as the girlfriend of Andrew Garfield at one point. Because mm-hmm. she actually does have a name and a role. But She does. Uh, I did recognize her. I... I I saw her, I never played it, but I saw some footage of that game, The Quarry. She was in that, like, last year. Mm. So, okay. she, she's a working actor. She does things. I was. Most people would know her from her Disney Channel days, where she was in, like, four different shows for them. I would not. Yeah. I wouldn't expect you to. I said most people. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like I didn't watch any Disney Channel, but, you know, I was watching Disney Channel in the 90s, maybe the early 2000s at a push. Fair. She was... Oh, God, what was it called? It was Sweet Life of something. Two boys' names. I can't remember the names. But it was, like, a bunch of kids in a hotel. She yes. was one of the main characters on that. Yes, her character in this is uh, sexy and psychotic, I, I believe is the term that would probably yeah. be thrown around. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get into all that. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got an impressive cast, you know, Army Hammer in hindsight uh, aside. Uh, yep. And it's got the, the the witty dialogue from Sorkin. It's got mm-hmm. the strong direction and very, you know, there's editing between multiple conversations in this quite a lot. So it's got a very snappy editing style as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels very polished in a really good way. And, well, I don't think I would agree that I think this is his best movie. I think I, I would still give it to seven over this okay. um, if I'm comparing the two. But this is definitely up there. And credit where credit's due, because you know, we criticized Benjamin Button for a lot of things. And one of the things, one of the conclusions that we came to was that maybe he was stepping a little bit too outside his wheelhouse. He, you know, he, mm. Like, it's, it's fine for him to try new things, but he was maybe going so far into the sentimental territory that he just wasn't comfortable there. And I would yeah. still say that Social Network is him doing something different from what he was known for. But here he succeeds. And yeah, he's got Aaron Sorkin writing the screenplay to to, to really give it right. a, a solid footing. But mm-hmm. I, I would argue that this is a much more successful endeavor into a different type of story for him. I would agree, but I do want to make the point that I think that because of how emotionally distant the characters like feel from each other, that this, especially Mark Zuckerberg as a whole, he is essentially mm. just a robot in this movie. I think that really plays to Fincher's strengths in a lot of ways, where it's more about the cold calculatingness than the, like you were saying, sentimental emotionality. What you're saying is is that the incel-like quality of Mark Zuckerberg is a lot like a serial killer, and therefore, just because he doesn't actually kill anyone, it's still in his uh, repertoire. I didn't say that, (laughs) but I'm not going to counter. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think we'll get the spoiler warning so we can get into uh, One last thing is the music was by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which oh, yes. Yes. obviously they did a fantastic job and they have continued to correspond with Fincher time and time again. And Ninja Turtles. Yes, and Ninja Turtles. Yes. Can't forget that. <laughs> no, the music is very good. I mean, mm. I don't remember a lot of it outside of that main little piano theme, but it's more mm. of like a like a mood thing than it is like a oh here's a big theme that comes in type of thing you know right i i guess as long as we're talking about the music though real quick do you remember the original teaser trailer for this no it was essentially just a lot of clips of people posting on facebook and typing status and stuff like that but it was overlaid with a like children's chorus singing the song creep by radiohead and it just ended with like Jesse Eisenberg's face and says like, oh, the social network coming in October. And I'm like, that was the first time that a teaser trailer didn't piss me off because there's so many teaser trailers where they give absolutely like nothing at all. You have no idea what this is going to be. But that one was just so artfully made. It felt like it was simultaneously an advertisement for Facebook while also saying like, oh, yeah, you're going to want to check this out because the musical choice was just beautiful as well. Okay, oh, that's been all our good teaser trailers, but I can oh, I yeah. can appreciate it. I always remember I guess, the the one for Interstellar. I always thought was good. It was just stock footage oh, yeah. of 
space missions and stuff, but it had Matthew McConaughey doing his like speech over the top of it. And then mm. there's just the one shot of him looking at a, a rocket or whatever at the end, and it's like, you know, yeah. mankind was born on Earth, but it was never meant to die here. Interstellar. I guess the problem I have with teaser trailers nowadays is that it's not so much a teaser trailer as much as it is a, hey, the real trailer is going to be coming in three weeks. Be sure to tune in for that. And I'm like, oh no, I just... hate, yeah, I hate those ten second things. Like, Here's yeah. a clip of the trailer that's coming in a week. Like, piss off. No one cares. Yeah, it's the worst. Go away. All right, spoilers. Anyway, yeah. Spoilers for the social network. Obviously, some of it you might just know from it being a public, you know, true story. But uh, mm-hmm. certainly, when I when I saw this, I didn't know a lot of the details. It was kind of just, oh yeah, you know. I probably even didn't even know his name when I saw this. Obviously, everyone knows who Zuckerberg is now. But I was gonna say this movie is one of those ones where if they made a sequel, it would just ruin the point of it. So I hope they don't. But they have so much content, man. There's, yeah, there's a lot of material they could if they wanted to to do a, a yeah. second thing. Um, would be very very good. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, so. The movie, like, it has a cold open, right? So the title mm. sequence when he's running to his dorm room is after the opening scene. So we get this cold open where he's on a date uh, with Luna Mari's character, Erica Albright. And mm. it's this thing where we get a good sense of how he talks and how he thinks because he's he's running a mile a minute. She's responding to something he said, like, you know, 10 seconds ago, but he's already moved on to the next thing. And then yep. acts confused when she gives an answer to something previous. And it's this very, you know... You you can feel her getting tired in the scene. Like, yeah, I would be tired talking to this asshole. Like, it's, you know, it's very mm-hmm. much that. Well, it, it's also interesting because he's such a dick to her with, oh, like, everything yeah, he says. Shithead. But every once in a while, she'll keep up. Every once in a while, she'll, like, understand what he's saying and get the drop on him. And those are the only moments where he gives her any sort of recognition. Where he's like, okay, this is why I'm dating you. And yeah. it's, it's such a, like, this just horrific way to treat another person where you i agree you can see her getting tired as the as the conversation progresses yeah and he belittles her in these like subtle ways like throughout the conversation mm-hmm. um but not in like a sort of like very pointed because he's got he's got this way of just sort of saying things very matter of fact so it's not like he's most people when they're dropping a bit of like shade right and they want people mm-hmm. to know that they've just said something they'll emphasize it they'll make a point of saying i'm making a point here even though i'm not saying it outright whereas mm-hmm. he actually will just say it in the mix of all of what he's saying and you know it'll just be going out it'll be, the words will be flowing out his mouth like yeah. a like shit out of a sewage system <laughs> it's just coming and coming and it also reaches a spoiling point when she says she tries to get out of the date basically and says i need to go and study blah 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 and he's like, you don't need to study. And he says that like three or four times mixed in with all the other conversation. And she's like, yeah. why do you keep saying that I don't have to study? And then he just flat out says, because you're going to blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember it's the like name. It's BU. Yeah. I forget I, what the B is. Yeah. Because you're going to BU. And immediately it's like, wait, you're saying that she doesn't have to study because she's going to an easier, like a, not a prestigious school. It's an idiot yep. school. And mm-hmm. obviously that offends her. And yeah. she has this final point where she says, look, you're going to spend the rest of your life thinking the girls don't like you because you're a nerd. But I want you to know from the bottom of my heart it's because you're an asshole. And I'm like, yeah, he's kind of like an incel douchebag who talks online, isn't he? <laughs> I, was, I was watching this with my girlfriend who had never seen the movie before and she was still getting settled. She was still yeah. like getting snacks and stuff as the scene was going on. And she was about to get up and leave like right before that line. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the point of the movie. You need to capture this one line because it is basically 
how his character acts throughout the rest of this movie comes off of this one line. Yep, yep. Uh, this is the motivating factor. He feels he needs to do something. So he goes mm-hmm. back to his dorm and, well, first of all, he blogs about how much he hates her. He says... I, <laughs> if there's one thing in this movie that, like, dates it, and to be fair, it's not dating the movie, it's just dating the time period that this movie takes place yeah, in. Yeah, because this is that, 2010, obviously. This is right. moved on. It's the idea that anybody is reading anybody else's blogs. Oh, like, yeah. Like, nobody yeah. gives a damn about anybody else's blogs. No, and yet, it, for some reason, everyone's like, oh, my God, did you hear he was blogging about you? It's because it's a new thing relative yeah. to the time. That's, that's, but he, he, says, he calls her a bitch. He makes fun of her, her boob size. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which did sound like an angry guy in the internet being like, oh, oh yeah. her boobs aren't even big. Straight yeah. incel, no doubt. And then talks about how our, our family's last name has probably changed from uh, something uh, Jewish sounding. And it was like, dude, yeah. what, are you, what, are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what what is this? And this is like him, he's like, he used to keep his mind on something, so he starts like programming, he starts trying to think of an idea. Mm-hmm. And... Like at some point, some of his roommates are around doing stuff, and like he gets the idea, um, where he's like, "Oh, there was this idea to compare women to farmyard animals, but I'm not going to do that." And then he's like, "Oh, but what about to each other?" So mm-hmm. he spends this night. The big opening of the movie after that opening scene is that he spends this night building a a, a simple comparison, like uh, not an app because it's yeah. 2010, but like a comparison website. But you could imagine it being an app. Absolutely. Um, and Andrew Garfield comes in as Eduardo and it's his algorithm that he made for like a chess ranking system that he uses. Uh, he writes it on the window. Why he doesn't just write it in a bit of paper? It's not cinematic, I guess, but that that's... I was going to say, this feels like one of the things that either happened in real life and they thought that's too weird not to include or they just thought it would be the artistic yeah. endeavor of it. Yeah. The only thing that makes me think it maybe was real is that later on he has that that line to the people who investigated this because he eventually gets mm. in trouble for all this um and he says well if you knew what you were looking for you'd have found it on my dorm room window so right. that makes me think oh maybe it was real maybe he really did have it written on the window because yeah. uh, that's such a snarky line to say but and the reason why he gets in trouble of course is because to get all these photographs of all the women who go to harvard mm. he has to break into all the databases of all the different houses uh that are you know part of the campus part of the school and yeah. he, you know, he goes into detail about how he does all this for each one. How they all have different security systems, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes, and we see these reactions of like all the men who get this thing are like, "Oh, this is funny." Yeah, hard the left, no, the right, and they're picking who's hotter between the two. And mm-hmm. then when the women start seeing it, they're a little bit more like, "This is kind of sad and pathetic." What are they doing? You say a little bit. I feel like it's pretty hammer coming down of like, "This is gross as hell." Like, the first time we see it is, um... This girl. David, I feel like sometimes you don't understand that when I say a little, and when I say it like that, I uh, mean a lot. <laughs> oh, no, that's fair. But, like, I, I just want to make sure the audience understands here that when they first show a woman seeing this site, she's like, that's my roommate. Yeah, that's someone I know. That's a person. Yeah. It's not just some sexy that, photo online. That's what immediately brings it back down because like everything up to this point, it's just like, oh yeah, it's just like some guys having fun. It's just, you know, some harmless fun. But then the moment that you start with like, oh wait, no, this is a real person. Oh. And then it all starts spiraling out from there to the uh, point where they end up crashing Harvard's network because it's so popular. Yeah, which is what ultimately gets the eyes on it and then he gets, uh, you know, probation or whatever. But yeah. th- th- I think... 
what was interesting about watching this again now, because, I mean, when I saw this originally, you know, I was 21 in 2010, so mm. I'd have been that age. Uh, and now watching it again now is that just how much more, like, I think I, I always got the point, even when I saw it the first time, I'm sure I did, but mm. I think this time, as soon as he started having this idea, I'm like, ah, oh, this, nah, this is icky, like, what are you doing? Like, I immediately yeah. felt like, oh no, this, that, I can see morally already what the problem with this is and how you're acting out in retaliation. It's like, he, he's effectively doing this thing to the entire female population of the university because mm-hmm. he feels he feels you know wronged by one woman, and yeah. if that's not like incel behavior, I, like I, I I don't know what is. I mean, yeah, no, the behavior is awful. Like that's I don't think they really make a defense of that to the point where our essentially only moral character in this movie of Eduardo speaks up and he's like, maybe we should start taking this down. This might be a bad idea, but he ends up going with Mark anyway just because he wants to be nice. But I think that what this does more than that is this all takes place in 2003. And I think that's more of an idea of like a snapshot into what the Internet was at that point where there really wasn't this like expectation of privacy or this expectation of like if you put your name out there, you were no longer anonymous. You could be outed in this sort of way. Whereas nowadays, everyone's got public profiles. Everyone's got their names on everything. It's just kind of the norm of things. But back then, if you didn't have like a username to hide behind, you were out there and you could easily be outed like this. Yeah. I mean, notably, the, the, this was not something people had signed up for. This was literally just the right. registry that the university kept with like, you know, all the students. So yeah. this was not something anyone opted into thinking, oh, I'm putting my name on the internet. This was... This was hacked information, you know? Right, but that's the other thing, is this idea that, like, how good was security really back then? Right now, nowadays, we've got huge security stuff. But back then, yeah, this dude who's running a laptop in Harvard is just able to get into pretty much everywhere. There's only one place I think he said he was unable to get into, and it was mostly just out of inconvenience rather than the inability to actually get to it. Oh, yeah, and I I believe that he could. Like, that's all, Mm -hmm. and it's based on a true true thing, so I suspect he did just do all this. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I completely buy all that. Uh, But for me, it's like I'm watching this, and I'm just... I'm immediately taken aback by just how blatantly unlikable this guy is and just mm. how much he's doing. And that's actually a running through line throughout the whole movie. Right at the end when Rashida Jones is talking to him and she's pointing out that, hey, if you take this to court and just don't settle, the jury will not pick in your favor. They are going yeah. to not like you. They're going to hear that first story about how you compared it to a farmyard animal on your blog and what you did to her on that night at retaliation, and they're going to decide you're a complete prick, and yep. they are never going to 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 win. Or they're, never going to, they're never going to pick you over the others, because, well, they may be a bit douchey, some of them. You know, the Vinklevosses mm-hmm. are a bit douchey. I don't think that's unfair to say. But, no. you know, the, the, they're not you. you. You are, like, going out of your way. And a big part of this movie is, you know, analyzing, okay, he feels spurned on by her at the start, and that's why he did this app thing. And then as the movie goes on, you see how other little things, how they might be what the motivating factors are for him to do other things. In fact, mm-hmm. when he sees Rooney Mara's character later on, and he's had some success at this point, you know, this is where, you know, they're at a few schools, he's got maybe 100,000, you know, members at this point, yeah. however many it is. And the fact they've just had the groupies, you know, this is where uh, <laughs> Brenda Song's character and her friends show up and they've just had like sex in the bathroom. So they're feeling pretty good. 
But then his success is completely diminished when he looks over and sees Erica at a table in this restaurant and he has to go over and talk to her. And it doesn't matter how successful he is. She has no interest in hearing an apology, even if that's what he was trying yeah. to do. And he may have been trying to apologize. Uh, he asked to speak to her and she's like, you know what? I don't want to go speak to you in private. You know, I'm not leaving my friends. Like, no, you mocked mm-hmm. me on the internet. You did all these things. You, you, What you did was horrendous. I'm not talking to you. There's one specific line in there that I think is a huge through point for the movie as well, is that the internet isn't written in pencil. It's written in ink. Yeah. Whatever you put there is permanent. And I think that's, it's, it's an idea of these things that Mark does. He views it as something that is just temporary, just fleeting. He doesn't care that he may upset somebody because, well, they'll probably get over it. But these things he do, these things that he does compounds on top of each other and starts to really make him out to be this huge dick to everyone around him. Yeah, but the point I was getting at this scene, though, is that it's this interaction where as soon as he walks away from it, he doesn't care about the woman that's there to have sex with him. He doesn't care about celebrating mm-hmm. the success he has. He walks past Andrew Garfield and says, we need to grow bigger. We have to expand. Mm-hmm. We have to do more. He's motivated immediately to be more of a success. And it's basically all about like proving that he's good enough. That he, what he, in his head, like, and this is a bit of my analysis here, but it mm-hmm. kind of feels like everything he does in this movie to gain success is less about getting success for himself and more about making that one woman regret that she ditched him. Like he, like, you know, and that's something that comes up when he's talking to Sean Parker at one point where he's like, hey, that girl that you wanted to impress in high school, do you ever think about her? And he's like, no. Uh, but it's very clear that the entire time, yeah. in the back of his head, he is thinking about Erica. He is thinking about, he mm-hmm. wants to make her regret that she ditched him. And maybe he even wants her to like want to be back with him. You know, she'll come crawling back now that he's got millions or billions and he's very successful. And he's never going to win that. He's like, she's never going to ever forgive him for yeah. who he is. Well, I'm not even sure it's so much that it's her specifically. I think it's just the concept that, at, like I said at the beginning of the movie, she cut right through him. She was able to say, like, look, here's what you're thinking. And she was probably right. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. Girls don't like me because I'm a nerd. But then she just cut right through him and says, no, it's because you're an asshole. And as soon as that happens, he's just hit with this crisis of self of like okay so i'm an asshole what does that mean how do i need to act and that's why we get by the time we get to the end of the movie where he's he's basically gone through all this stuff he's being sued by his best friend he's being sued by the winkle bosses and he's told like no look you're not an asshole but you're really trying to be like it's as if that him being told he was an asshole in the beginning just kind of refocuses everything he does throughout the movie of like, okay, if that's what I am, then I guess that's what I'll be. Yeah, no, I think part of that's there. But the movie mm-hmm. even ends, though, with him trying to send a friend request to to Erica. Yeah. That's how the movie ends. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we can we can discount how much of a motivating factor it is for oh, him yeah, no. throughout, that, that he was well, rejected I... by heart and he he's trying to... You know, in multiple points throughout the story, whenever he tries to reach out back to her, which is not a lot of times, you know, it's the ending, it's the time in the restaurant, he brings mm-hmm. her up a couple of times, but it, like, it's this driving force where he has all this success, but he still wants acceptance from her. You know, if, if right. not a relationship, if not an apology, at least acceptance, and that's what he's waiting for at the end. And that's why the movie right. ends without it happening. You know, it just it cuts to the credits before the friend mm-hmm. request is accepted. Let's see, but like, 
yes, I agree, but that also was kind of what I was getting at, is that I don't think it's because of her... Like, he doesn't love her in any meaningful way. He doesn't, like, want her back. I think it's more so a thing of, this is the one person who truly saw through him. This is the one person who he did have potential to have this deeper connection with. And just getting her to essentially take it back or say that he's not completely irredeemable is enough for him. That's all he's really looking for. I don't think it's so much of wanting to win her back as oh, much no, no, as... No, 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 so. no, I wasn't trying to say that. I wasn't trying to say mm. that he was necessarily trying to win her back. I actually agree that it's more about... Like, it's not about him loving her. I don't think he actually mm. cares that much about her yeah. in terms of wanting her as a romantic partner. But mm. I think he he wants... Like you say, that... Like, I'm saying that she's the specific driving force. I wasn't necessarily right. trying to say... like. I'm, I'm, you know, I listed that in the the things that, yeah, maybe like in his head. Oh, if she does change her mind and she realizes that, you know, she she, you know, said the wrong thing or she mm. she was wrong this whole time. But all he's actually done since then is actually just prove her right in a, in a way. Yeah, you know, that's no, all he's, that's all he's really done. Um, mm. yeah, I, I never meant to imply that she, he actually wants a relationship with her. I think he would right. take one. I think if she came to him and said, you know what, I was wrong. You're actually an amazing guy. I think he would actually start a really. I don't think it would last, but I think he no, would take no. it. I, I think he would take it as a point of pride because to him it would feel like victory. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's victory just in as much as like, see, I'm not an asshole. The person who said that changed their mind. So I'm cool again. Right, guys? But I, I think that the point of the movie is, though, is that he takes all these things to such extreme lengths to tr- just make mm-hmm. a point that I think he, he, he would probably marry this woman and spend years with her and then... It, it would all fall apart and he would admit, later on yeah i never really cared about you but like i yeah. it, it proved me right <laughs> yeah like i won That's, mario you was a victory lap <laughs> yeah there's nothing in this movie that makes it seem like zuckerberg understands empathy to any extent oh he, no he sees no. what's going on in his own head he understands that certain things will get a reaction out of certain people and he knows what to do and what not to do but he just cannot fathom the idea of the emotions that other people feel no and and that's you know one of the biggest moments in the movie that sticks out in my mind is uh there's a scene it's about halfway through where Mm. they're in one of the the, the disposition scenes and it's where the vinklevosses are there right so it's that particular one as opposed to the one is it the raining scene? It's the raining scene, yes. I love that one, yeah. yeah. So, so so the Winklevoss lawyers are, he's going on about something, and mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg's just staring at the window and he says, oh, it started raining. And the lawyer's just like listed this big thing, he's building up to a question, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, it started raining. And he's like, Mr. Zuckerberg, do, do I have your attention? Or do I have all of your attention? He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. And he's like, do you think I am deserving of your full attention? And he turns and says, well, I'm under oath to tell the truth, so I don't want to implicate myself. So, no, I don't think you're deserving of my full yeah. attention. And as far as... And what I like about that scene is, one, it's obviously this moment of, like... I wouldn't say admission, because I don't think Zuckerberg in this movie like is even like under an illusion that he doesn't feel that way about people. But I mm-hmm. think him having to say it out loud for everyone else in the room... And the way they all look at each other and like, okay, we're all on the same page now. But both this side of the table and his side of the table, we're all on the same page of who this prick is. 
And yeah. you still have to represent them on that side of the table because it's your job <laughs> and you're making money from it. Like, no one's arguing that. Yeah. But you know he, as much as we do that he is a prick. <laughs> he he throws out, he's like, you have, over at Facebook, we're doing incredible things that no one here could even possibly understand. So you have my <laughs> minimal amount of attention. And then the lawyer's basically like, so I think that's lunch, guys. You want to go to lunch? <laughs> Everybody? Well, I think I think as well it ties in with what Rashida Jones says towards the end to to Zuckerberg mm-hmm. is the like I think that's the moment where that lawyer realizes that well they have to take a settlement now because they can oh, yeah. never put him in front of a jury they can never take oh, this to no. court absolutely not because he will lose yeah. everything <laughs> no yeah for sure he's he's yeah. definitely that's that's the thing is that he as a character sees like i have done these things i have coded facebook and he sees the action as being the only thing that matters he doesn't understand the idea of okay well you know there's this in intellectual property idea where these other people had an idea they shared it with you you led them on for a few weeks and then all of a sudden facebook existed that's going to cause problems he he doesn't comprehend that because he's like what i'm the one who coded it Therefore, it belongs to me. It doesn't matter anything else. And then the same thing on the Eduardo side, where Eduardo is upset because, you know, he invested this money in to get Facebook going. He started that off. And Mark just comes back with like, yeah, no, you were the money guy, but I'm the one who made Facebook. And he doesn't, he just can't wrap his head around the idea that like, no, these other people who are helping you were necessity in getting you off the ground. Just because you could code this thing didn't mean that it was going to work even going back to that first uh face mash website he had this idea he built it all up but he had to pause and wait until eduardo showed up to get the formula that was the underlying function of the whole thing yeah uh so yeah let's talk about the two different basically legal battles that are happening here yes. and why they're happening so mm-hmm. we'll start with the vinkel vosses because they're, they're, they're kind of first narratively as well yep uh mm-hmm. but it's basically after the whole face smash thing where he gets into trouble they read about it and they're like wait a minute this guy did this in one night in his dorm room and it got you know twenty thousand hits or whatever it was mm-hmm. and they're like oh shit maybe this is the guy maybe this is because so it turns out like the vinklevoss and the other guy uh because it's a trio and i'll just say max because that's the actor i was, I was <laughs> gonna say i feel so bad for that third actor because the winklevosses overshadow him so hard yeah so you got Max and the Vinklevosses, and they are like, okay, we've got this idea. We want to do like a social network just for Harvard. And the idea, and it's and yeah, it's kind of skeevy and cynical on their part, but the whole point of it is that, hey, this is like a profile for all of us, and girls want to sleep with guys from Harvard. So the whole yeah. idea is that this is them trying to get laid more. Which, can I just throw out one yeah. little problem with this idea for a website? Yes. The idea is that all of the emails would end in harvard.edu and that's the way they would show off like oh i'm from harvard and so they want to build a social media site that would show that off however to join the site you need a harvard.edu email yes so they would only be showing off to other people who are already in harvard well that's when zuckerberg goes and builds the first version of facebook it works like that i don't know mm-hmm. if they were saying that I, I think what they were proposing is that other people could still look at the profiles and still see mm. the people there. So basically what they want is girls from other schools to basically shop on the Harvard Facebook <laughs> saying, yeah. I want this hunky 
senior man to be mm-hmm. my boyfriend or something. <laughs> like, All right, I could see that. I, I think that's what they were going for, but I mean, I, I think you're slightly reframing it based on how Zuckerberg builds his prototype, which isn't exactly what they wanted. He goes away and mm. does his version of it. But yeah, that's obviously the debate that comes here is they try and recruit him and much like all the other little slights in the movie, when they ask to see him and they bring him over to the fancy like clubhouse, he's not allowed past the stairs because he's not a member. So they're yeah. in the little bike room. I uh, guess that's one thing we do need to bring up in context of this is Zuckerberg is really obsessed at the beginning of this movie with joining a thing called Final Clubs. Yeah, which is where what, this, this is what this says. It's a final club. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically just fraternities, except it's just for really like smart people. Yeah. And that's he wants to get into these really prestigious ones until he kind of overshadows him and there he's and then he's got no interest because i have i have shown yeah. that i'm more important than all you so this is it but he he's not and that, this comes back in the the, the disposition later where he says oh yeah like we invited you to the house like yeah to the bake room like the idea that yeah. they didn't let him pass that staircase it was like a slight and that's like mm-hmm. Whether I was thinking about it in the moment necessarily, although they do like say, "Do you want a sandwich?" This is just a, this is a stupid little detail, but they say, "Do you want a sandwich or something?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And someone just comes out with a wrapped sub and just hands yeah. him a sub, and I'm like, first of all, it's weird you didn't ask him what he wanted on the sandwich, but it's also weird that you've just got all these subs lying around to just dish out to anyone who you want to offer I, a sub to. I would assume that this place has like either a sub vending machine, like with like pre-made sandwiches. Or they have just, like, a little <laughs> kitchen off to the side. Yeah, like, I assume it's a camp, yeah. but it's just weird to, like... I don't know, the whole, the whole exchange felt weird. This is how the rich yeah. live, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like I'd be one of those guys be like, oh, can I have a sandwich? I'd say, yeah, and then they come back with, like, tuna with, like, slathered in mayonnaise. They'd be like, mm, you know what? Keep your sandwich. I'm good. <laughs> he tries to put his sandwich into his hoodie pocket, and it's, it's a bit yeah. awkward. Uh, he didn't try mm. hard enough, though. I could have done it. But anyway, uh, so... The whole thing here is that he goes off and builds Facebook, and it's kind of similar to their idea, although there are some differences, and he doesn't use any of their code. But the problem is, is that he does say, yeah, I'll help, and then proceeds mm-hmm. to just spend all the time building his own thing instead. Yeah. Uh, and it is immediately, not, you know, straight after, but very soon after his meeting with the Winklevosses, he goes and talks to Eduardo and says, hey... I've got an idea for a social media site and the whole thing is going to be based off exclusivity. You'll want in, buddy? <laughs> but he never tells them about the Winklevosses at all. No, it's not until much later when they send a cease and desist letter <laughs> that he, <laughs> he finally fesses that part up. It's, yeah, the whole thing is like, on the one hand, if he just said, no, I'm not going to help and then went and built his own, mm-hmm. that would, he'd still be a bit of a dick but th- there would be no like the fact that he leads them on thinking oh i'm yeah. working on you it's, it's almost it's almost like he's intentionally stalling their project so he can have his up and running first but the way theirs was going like i have to just to mark zuckerberg i have to say i'm pretty sure yours would have been ready first because you were actually coding the damn thing it seemed oh, yeah. like, it seemed like they were struggling to get this thing going but you know yeah no it's it's the sort of thing where morally he's clearly still in the wrong because he only came up with this idea because of them. But legally, he's totally in the clear. He's yeah. like, I never told him I'd work on it and I never signed an NDA. So here we go. But no, he did say he'd work on it and he mm-hmm. basically just blew them off for as long as he could. He kept the email and saying, oh, I have to push this meeting. No, I can't see you till this date. And he just keeps doing that for a while. And you just see mm-hmm. the Winklevoss and uh, Max Minghella just be like slowly more frustrated and like this guy's you know pissing us off 
And honestly, yep. some of my favorite moments, it's not a very funny movie, but there's a couple of moments that do make me laugh. And especially anytime the, this trio see the Facebook, either for the first time it's Max, and then his girlfriend's on her laptop and she's talking about Facebook and yeah. he like makes a whole scene where he like trips over his chair, like trying to run off to go tell the Vinklevosses. But my favorite one is, well, this keeps growing and they, they try and talk to the, the Dean of Harvard and they try and talk to whoever and no, mm. no one's really willing to help them and whatever. Eventually, once we're into the next year, uh, Facebook's expanded to try and also be in Europe. So they've got a few yep. prestigious places. They've got Oxford, Cambridge, whatever else in, in the UK. And mm. they because one of the subplots of this movie is that the Vinklevosses are the rowing uh, people. They row... Yeah. They row the crew, is crew. what they say. Thank you, yes. Uh, which does actually connect back to that opening conversation with Zuckerberg, where mm. uh, she, he thinks she likes guys that row crew, but she was just joking or something. And there was like, it, it came up. But it was honestly that may be a full reason why he dicked them over. Maybe was the moment yeah. he said like, "Oh, I row crew." It's like, "Oh, well, now you're I have enemy. a problem with you." Yes, you're you're the type of man that the girl I was kind of dating is into, even though mm-hmm. she wasn't. She just regardless. Yeah. Uh, so they're in the UK, and they lose the race. Just they just just narrowly lose the race to to the English team. But mm-hmm. afterwards, they're doing the, the meet and greet. They're talking to all these important people. All the thing, and this English like stuffy guy comes up. He's like, "Ah, yes, they're already talking about uh, this race in the 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 US. Some website called Facebook." And they all just look at each other with these faces, and they're like, "What? What? Does your daughter go to an American school?" And she's like, "No, no, she's a Cambridge. She's a, a prodigy to Cambridge." Yeah. <laughs> and this and reaction you just, just hear the pin drop behind them. Like, okay, thank you for that, sir. There's just something so beautiful, and I'm not sure if it really happened this way, but there's something so beautiful about them, them finding out that it's in the UK now and not just the US by mm. actually being in the UK for something else and hearing someone English talk about it is really oh, yeah. extra funny to me. Yeah. No, I've, I've, that's definitely been done in other movies where there's some like product or something being developed and someone's pissed off about it and then no matter where they go just someone comes up being like oh hey have you heard about this thing and he just rages out on them <laughs> yeah i i know i i got a lot of entertainment out of that it's mm-hmm. uh it's good stuff but i mean that's basically the the gist of like their dispute with them and we get a lot of yeah. their their there's, lawyer side obviously yeah the there's a lot of cutting device. back that uh cameron winklevoss one of the twins is basically the one that's standing in the way saying like we're not going to sue him because that's not the harvard way we're going to explore every other possibility we have before we take this to court and so they do as you said they're shut down at pretty much every turn they make and then finally after they see that it's expanded to europe he's just like you know what screw it let's gut the nerd and they just take him to court yeah, because they're worried about their appearance, because uh, at one point one of them references the Karate Kid and says, we're going to look mm-hmm. like we're dressed in skeleton outfits chasing around Daniel LaRusso. And I'm like, that's yeah. a very specific Karate Kid reference, but I get what you're it saying. Is. Yeah, it's exactly the thing, where it's like, oh, no one's going to care. Like, no one's going to be on the side of the two rich kids picking on the poor nerd, you know, no matter how successful he may have become. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing that maybe brings into focus all that stuff later on about him being so unlikable to a jury. Mm-hmm is that he is so unlikable, he overshadows all of that. Like, that entire logic... Like, I understand what they're saying. Like, yeah, Yeah. there would be a perception thing in a regular circumstance of the two rich people going after the poor nerd, but he is so unlikable in the way he interacts with people 
that by yeah. the like that's basically what you see in that that scene with the the lawyer and the the full attention stuff is that mm-hmm. that's the moment where like everyone realizes no this isn't going to look like he's being bullied he is so confrontational or not even that's not even the right word he's so <sighs> just self-assured in his own yeah. righteousness his is own he- rightness would, would narcissist even be the right term to like throw in that here? would work yeah he's yeah. egotistical for sure yeah definitely egotistical for sure yeah it's it's wild so mm-hmm. um that's kind of their side of things and the andrew garfield thing is the the real mm-hmm. kind of tragedy of the story because he's like his yeah. one real friend and he's trying to help zuckerberg throughout the whole movie and he's trying and it's not necessarily that every idea that eduardo has is necessarily correct like ultimately yeah by the end of the story it's quite clear that yeah holding off before they start putting adverts in to build the audience first was mm-hmm. the right move because it became you know a billion 25 billion dollar idea by the time the movie gives yeah. you the but by the time you get the caption at the end that says how much facebook's worth today which notably is in 2010 i'm not sure if it's still 25 billion but uh, it's like 30 bucks something like that <laughs> but like the whole idea is that he had one real friend and he does just outright screw him over and mm-hmm. some of the concerns that eduardo has are quite you know fair like yeah particularly when sean parker comes into it and it kind of feels like zuckerberg's dropping eduardo just so he can buddy up with the guy who built napster because he thinks he's cool because he sees him yeah. as a, kind of an idol almost i i was i think that the best way to describe it is that while zuckerberg may be our protagonist he is the one that we follow and he's the one that we're meant to you know associate with as an audience what it really comes down to is sean parker and eduardo are the respective devil and angel on zuckerberg's shoulders of basically saying like here's the right thing to do and here's the fun thing to do which one are you gonna pick yeah it's it's funny because there's a I think it's just after the chicken thing and the mm-hmm. and the disposition where Eduardo, if kind of casually mentions that Zuckerberg cheated on a, a test at Harvard, right. and the lawyers like, wait, did you just say my client? He's like, ah, oh, I wasn't actually trying to accuse him of that. That's irrelevant to what we're talking about. He's like, yeah, but you just said it on the record. He's like, well, oops, and he mm-hmm. looks right at Zuckerberg when he says that, and then Zuckerberg, it turns out, actually tried to defend him about the chicken thing. And he's like, oh, well, oops. I think mm-hmm. what's interesting is that by the time you get to the end and it's like Rashida Jones talking to Zuckerberg, other than the whole like unlikable asshole thing that she, that conversation talks about, mm-hmm. she also talks about how because he did the whole thing at the start with the the, the, faith, the friend smash and the, you know, the, the, the blogging and all that stuff, yeah. that calls into question your reliability with everything else and one of the things that you have been accused of from eduardo is that you yourself is the one who leaked the chicken thing Mm. and we actually never find out if he did or not it's actually left ambiguous to the audience if he did do that but it seems like he did it seems like he probably did and it's like Mm. he probably did that because he wanted to keep him in line and uh one of the big things with that as well which again really establishes zuckerberg as a character is when he does go to Eduardo after he's met the Vinklevoss, he's to tell him about his idea. It's mm. this, it's the Jewish community at the college throwing this margarita night or Caribbean yeah, it's night like a, or something. It's like a specifically Jewish fraternity that is doing some weird party for whatever reason. Yeah. And he comes and speaks to them and Eduardo informs Zuckerberg that he has got into Phoenix, which is the 
the club that he wanted to get into. This is the one that Zuckerberg mm-hmm. had his eyes on. And to try and make him feel better, Eduardo immediately follows up with, I got in. But, you know, it's probably just a diversity thing. Like, he's mm-hmm. based, which is so weird, because usually you hear that from the other side to try and explain yeah. why someone got something they don't think that they were owed or deserved. But in mm-hmm. this case, it's Eduardo saying about himself to try and make his friend feel better. Oh, I just get in because I'm Jewish and they want to, like, bump up some numbers. Yeah. Right? He tries to do that. And wh- they do the whole scene where he's, he's telling him about the Facebook idea and all the rest of it. And he's like, yeah, man, yeah, I'll give you the $1,000 to get started because he comes from fa- comes from money. Actually, he earlier in the movie, they say that he spent a summer basically betting on oil and he managed to come up with like $300,000. Oh, so he right. doesn't yeah, come yeah. from money. He's new money, which I doubles down in that as he's telling that story it's to eric at the beginning he specifically says the phoenix isn't going to be interested in a guy like him they don't care about Ah, like he doesn't matter so the fact that he is picked for this mark is like oh come on seriously but at the very end of this scene with no pause with no reason to even revert back around to this topic of conversation Mm -hmm. when eduardo's going back inside after this conversation zuckerberg just looks over and says yeah, you're probably right. It was probably a diversity thing. And there was no reason to bring it back up. But this idea that he had to sort of put that on at the end, like almost like he's trying to convince himself at the end of the scene. Well, it's, I think it's important to know what the full line is. Because the full line is, yeah, you're right, it probably was a diversity thing. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't still enjoy it. I think that Mark was actually trying to like be kind in some way <laughs> in his own horrible horrible way well, of saying uh, like yeah no you're probably right you don't deserve it but hey you're in anyway so well let me follow that up but the next time this subject comes up it's when yes. eduardo tells him sometime later that he's made it to the second round of hazing or whatever it is right the second mm-hmm. round of tryouts and zuckerberg responds immediately with oh, that's a great achievement. You should be really proud of that, even if it doesn't go any further. And then just continues with what he's doing. Like, he's basically right. saying, oh, you probably won't go any further on that, but you should be proud of that. It's it's such a backhanded, awful way of doing things. But, like, because of the way we've seen him interact with others before this, and because of the way that Eduardo kind of just takes it, I have to assume this is how he is just all the time, and that is him trying to be kind. Like, that's the best I he gets. I don't think I can agree that I can just assume that. Honestly, all these little moments just kind of paint someone who is constantly, anytime someone gets something that he wants or things didn't go his way, which is mm-hmm. amusing because later on he accuses the Winklevosses of only caring about this lawsuit because right. he's the first person who ever stopped them from just getting what they want. But he did actually screw them. He did, you know, like trick them. Mm-hmm. And I think he is constantly faced with not getting what he wants. And oh, yeah he he's determined to like create his own future his own success and that's all fine but he's so unhealthy with with the way he approaches all these things i mean i can't imagine the real mark zuckerberg was very thrilled with the portrayal of his his person in this movie Uh, and the preceding book (laughs) based off of trivia i saw he never intended to watch it but he did end up bringing some co-workers from facebook and they all just watched it and he said Something along the lines of like, well, there were a lot of inaccuracies, but they got my fashion right. <laughs> I mean, so which yeah. is just a bunch of hoodies. And you know what? It makes perfect sense that Zuckerberg is the guy that's running through snow in flip flops and shorts, that he's that guy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously there's this immaturity to him as well. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's very smart. He's very smart at what he does, and that's kind of why he is the way he is to a point. But he's mm-hmm. also very immature, and Sean Parker is as well. There's a whole scene later on where Sean oh, yeah. Parker intentionally sends him into a meeting with, like, executives in a bathrobe and pyjamas just so he can walk in as a power play and say, oh, I, you know, I slept in, didn't have time to get changed. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, tell him Sean, you know, t- find this particular executive and then tell him Sean Parker says hi and just walk out of the room. And yeah. it's all like, yeah, this is all just like a, a status thing for you as well. It's all about the facade of yeah. who you're presenting yourselves to be. It's it's weird because multiple times throughout this movie, they specifically say, yeah, he doesn't, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't care about the money. Like money-wise, who gives a crap? It's not about that for him. This is solely about appearances. This is solely about boosting his ego. And I think it, a, a big thing that it can come back to is when you look at Harvard alumni, there's basically two kinds. There are the people who worked hard and earned it and got in on their own merit. And then there's like the nepotism. They're the people who went there because their fathers went there or they were buddy-buddy with someone else. The and they may not have earned it as well. <laughs> the Winklevosses, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think that Zuckerberg is one of these strange situations where he is just naturally gifted. He may, like, it seems like he probably did work hard to learn how to code and stuff like that, but he's just also good at it. It just comes naturally to him. So when he gets up to this level he kind of has that same feeling of entitlement that the nepotism people would have of like, I earn, I'm just entitled to this based off of who I am, not the work I've done. And because of that, when it comes time to him doing things like Facebook, him doing face mash and stuff like that, it's an idea of him being basically just holier than thou the whole time saying like, no, I was always going to do this incredible thing. I am god amongst men and you all need to be falling in line with what i do pretty much i think at its root and it's kind of weird to say it's like a warning parable of a of a story because mm-hmm. the guy did end up being worth billions of dollars so there is yeah. obviously the financial success goes goes against what i'm about to say mm-hmm. but it does kind of feel like in some ways this is a story about the unhealthy so, so if you take this as a story that he is this kid who was a nerd in school, maybe, maybe he was bullied, maybe he wasn't, but he probably mm-hmm. wasn't popular. He probably wasn't popular with girls. And no. that seems to still be the case more or less in Harvard at university at this age. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing is about boosting his ego to feel like he's as better than them as he always thought he was, or he became conditioned to think over time, whatever it may, may have been. Yeah. And it's this unhealthy kind of like, like, extreme reaction to fight back against the way he was treated and the way he was made to feel when he was younger and yeah. i almost think that you could look at this story and say again forgetting the fact that he still kind of succeeded in making billions of dollars but he mm. ruined the one friendship he had he made people hate him right that this is like the warning this like there's movies about toxic masculinity this is almost like a still about toxic masculinity but it's a very specific kind it's not the macho kind of toxic masculinity this is the this is the incel. The, the incel, yeah, uh, version, yeah. Which, is, which is a word we started using very early on in this review because that's what he reminded me of with the yeah. way he was acting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it's a warning to be like, okay, you can feel you can feel things for being mistreated when you're younger. You can feel things for being treated like you're the outsider, that you're not popular, because that entire social structure at that age is bullshit anyway. But mm-hmm. 
and you can feel like oh you want to be more confident and all these other things but there's a persecution complex that comes along with that that can lead to the incel type behavior and the idea that you are entitled to being treated better without ever actually treating anyone outwardly in any reasonable fashion and yeah. you know I, th- I think zuckerberg in a weird way is a is a big uh warning of that despite the yeah. fact that again he did he was talented and gifted enough that he did also make billions of dollars but right well see it goes back to that same th- the way the movie ends is that he is sitting on his laptop he's on his ex-girlfriend's profile and he's just refreshing the page seeing if she responded to his friend request so even after all of the billions of dollars he has even mm-hmm. after he has gone through all of this stuff he has a multi-million dollar company he still just wants that one girl to like him. He the, the one girl who he should have let go of because in any healthy thing, yeah, no, they, she doesn't want anything to do with you. Move on. Go away from that. But he just can't. It's a part of who he is that he has to cling on to these these perceived slights and people who have wronged him in the past. And, and over time, other people start to recognize this. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Eduardo accuses him in the, in the room. He basically says, hey... Is that is was this all, actually no? It's not in the deposition. It's when he goes to confront him after. It's the Oscar scene. Uh, yeah, it's so the the whole thing. Uh, Zuckerberg moves to California. He's with Sean mm-hmm. Parker. He's he's very much separated from Eduardo. Although Eduardo's still meant to be the head of the corporate side of Facebook, he's still meant to be involved. Mm-hmm. And they've made all these contracts and stuff, and he he signs them. And it turns out that there was a clause in that contract that he never recognized. He should have had his own lawyers look through it. Mm-hmm. But as he points out, he actually thought these were his own lawyers that he was yeah. talking to. He these that... were Facebook's lawyers. He yeah. assumed that as CFO of Facebook, they would also be representing him. But instead, uh, there was a clause where if they ever added more shares, they would devalue his to make room for the new shares. So everyone mm-hmm. else's shares didn't get devalued. It was only his. So he was yeah. set up to be screwed. And when he comes back towards the end of the story and he finds out that his shares have went down from 34% to about 0.03%, which that's a pretty big steep drop. Yeah, you know, a thousand times less investment. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit. He confronts Zuckerberg and I think one of the things he says here is, is was this about me getting into Phoenix? Was that was mm-hmm. this you hold it? Was, was that the point where you were never going to see me as an equal and yeah. that kind of thing? And I um, think it was. Yeah, it, it, and it feels like he's hitting... And I, I think that's the idea is that she... You know, at the start of the movie, Erica saw through his bullshit a bit quicker, but other mm-hmm. people over the course of the film do eventually see him for who he is. Yeah. And it's this sort of thing where over time, you will show your true colors. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, so that's that's the Which, big dramatic point. Yeah, and I've, honestly, that scene, fantastic and great. But I do think we do need to spend a little bit of time talking about Sean Parker and Mm -hmm. how he is influencing Mark, because essentially he is endgame Mark Zuckerberg if he was never actually held to task, if he was never held accountable for any of his actions. Yeah, which is it's kind of weird as well. He sees him as this, like, idol to look up to, but Mm -hmm. he's, but as Eduardo points out, he's like, yeah, but, like, Napster had to be go bankrupt, and his second thing after that didn't really turn out very well. Like he's not actually successful, but he's mm-hmm. built kind of an aura around him because he's the guy that built Napster. Yeah, you know, and he's got he's got a reputation for for being with women. They never outright say in the movie that he like we never see in the movie that he's with underage people. But the question is raised a few times: 
what age are they what age is she like it's, mm. it's raised enough that clearly there's a maybe a history here of him having some dodgy yeah even yeah. when it's not around other people he he he's with this first girl halfway through the movie as we get introduced to him and he's she's like oh you're some sort of child prodigy are you like 15 or something he's like no wait are you 15 and he's like concerned for a minute it's like that should have been something you should have known beforehand guy that's yeah. not it yeah it really paints him in, in this light of like and and eduardo says as well after the first big dinner they had with them that he saw him as this paranoid egomaniac mm-hmm. And yeah, it turns out he is pretty paranoid. He later on he's like, "Oh, I bet it was Eduardo who called the cops, and they came and found me with the all the drugs and the the underage girls at the party." Well, that was the other thing though, is that he's also a complete coward because at the end, yeah, there were underage girls. Well, not like underage, underage to drink, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were these underage kids there, and there were there was cocaine and whatnot. But they make the point where Sean is like, "I don't even know how those drugs got there." It must have been Eduardo who pointed them. And the only one he's talking to is Mark at this point. And it's like, why are you lying? Why are you bothering? Clearly the drugs were yours and you were caught with them, yeah, as also, we saw. Speaking of him being a coward, there's that moment at the end of the big scene where mm-hmm. Eduardo like yells at Zuckerberg. At, and you know, now the Facebook office has the Facebook logo everywhere. They've got it on yep. the vending machine. Like, like Everything's got Facebook all over it now. And they're counting down to a million members. Uh, when he's storming off and Sean tries to, like, be a dick to him on the way out, Eduardo, like, does a fake swing for him. He doesn't actually mm-hmm. punch him, but he sort of, like, lunges at him as if he's going to punch. And Sean, like, he sees God in his eyes. Like, yeah. he, he is terrified for a moment. And Eduardo just kind of, like, almost smirks a little bit, just knowing, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know which one of us is actually a man and which one of us is just a little pussy. Okay, I'm going to yeah. leave now. It's it's the idea of actual strength versus projected image yeah. of strength. And I, I think that's a huge thing in this movie is that these, essentially from the beginning, it's very obvious that Eduardo doesn't like Sean, but also Sean doesn't like Eduardo either because he's not buying into his brand of and to be fair, cool guy. They've earned that moment as well because Sean mm-hmm. has been projecting a particular personality oh, the yeah. entire time. And when Eduardo makes the because Sean's clearly the person in Zuckerberg's ear who's like told him to screw Eduardo because he's not here. He's the he's, he's in New York. He's talking mm-hmm. to ad execs when he should be here out with everyone else at the stupid funhouse where we're all living and breaking chimneys with our zip lines and stuff. <laughs> that was um if I had any criticism about this movie, it is Sean Parker, not in his entire characterization, but just that Oscar scene, because it feels like he's injecting himself into this conversation that is supposed to be a very personal moment between Mark mm. and Eduardo. And I just, I, he's allowed to have a couple lines, but the moment that Eduardo turns to him and says, you know, sorry, I left my product at the cleaners and all that. The moment he exploded him, he should have backed off. He shouldn't have been part of the conversation anymore. But that's like my only criticism in that whole sequence, because it is fantastic otherwise. I do think in a weird way, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but the idea of like him projecting this persona that he wants people to see him as is this cool guy who's got a lot <laughs> of money and has Victoria's Secret models on his arm and stuff. It almost feels like it is kind of like a an analogy for an online internet presence. Like you say, you've got a username yes. and you're saying, hey, I'm a tough guy and I do this and I care about that. And right. yeah, it, it very much feels like that. And then the second a real person like calls him on it by saying, hey, do you actually want to fight? He's like, 
no uh, no and it's not like it's not like eduardo here is some angry maniac he he is legitimately angry in this moment like he's he's earned this anger <laughs> yeah no i i 100 agree i was just trying to figure out how to get to the same point but yeah no yeah. i think it is this idea it's a way of it transferring the idea of if you only see people at their best moments if you only see them putting their best foot forward the way that things like facebook and instagram and stuff like that do you're going to have your Sean Parkers. You're going to have your people who are living the big life and never seem to have a down moment at all. And then you compare that with the Eduardos, the people who freely admit that like, no, I was stuck on the subway for 14 hours trying to find advertisers for these uh, websites and stuff like that. And when Zuckerberg is put in the middle as your uh, quote unquote average Joe, and he's looking at both of them, of course, he's going to be drawn to the lifestyle of Sean Parker even though secretly behind that, as we find out, he's broke. He is regularly like laughed out of these meetings. There's no way for him to really reestablish himself in that way. And of course, as you said, he's paranoid as well. He thinks that the world is out to get him. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, all, I think all, that... all the recording studios probably are, but you know, that's... yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so no, I think I think it's absolutely a direct parallel to how internet culture is on these social media sites yeah i think it's yeah there's a parallel and i think it gets into a few things that it kind of sprinkles in without going into them too heavily but one of the big things that uh, they make a point out of is this guy when he's still at harvard comes and asks mark if hey this guy that's saying or this girl that's in your class do you know if she's seen anyone is does she is she with anyone and he's like look people don't wear a saying saying if they're single or not and then it sort of clicks and he's like relationship status that has to be on these pages and that's actually the last thing he adds before they uh, originally go public or not public but uh live they launch the site yeah yeah. so and it's like okay that's a big deal and the reason why i'm bringing that up is it's a fun little moment where he realizes that but later on um if i I am going to critique something i do have a legit Mm. even though i enjoy the scene it's very entertaining i do think the way that eduardo mentions when he's in california that Christie's kind of crazy. And then the very mm. next time we see her, she actually is just a psychopath, the way she talks to him. I do feel like that came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, there is no build yeah. up to that at all. He just says it in one scene, and we've never seen any example of it. She's just kind of the groupie who's there and likes to be with him. Mm. And then all of a sudden, she's yelling that he's not changed his Facebook status to in a relationship. Right. Which, obviously it's funny because yeah people do get upset about that and he clearly just doesn't care and pay attention to his facebook page but she's taking that as a slight and then she sets fire to a scarf that he bought her and almost sets fire to the room and then when she shows up and says oh you're leaving without me it's like yeah also we're breaking up yeah of course you're breaking up you crazy (laughs) woman you just tried to burn down his apartment on the whole i agree with you i do think that it is a it, it gets a bit zero to 60 too fast there I do think, however, that her being so obsessive over the fact that his profile still says single, mm. like, that was a thing. I remember it, that it being was, a thing. It was for sure. I, and I think that's another good way that it does a parallel of it showing this thing of like, no, like, even when you're involved in Facebook, you're going to, especially with this girl who the only reason she was more or less with Eduardo is because he was involved in making Facebook. Clearly, she's going to be obsessive over it. Clearly, she's yeah. going to be have a problem with any sort of slights regarding that. Yeah, he calls her a grippy. Also, this mm-hmm. is one of these times where I have to remember the drinking age in the US is 21, because when they're meeting yes. with Sean Parker, and they're saying, oh, they're going to card us, I'm like, 
What do you mean, Kurt? What are you talking about? You're all over 18. But uh, yeah, yep, fair enough. We are, we are a Puritan society, Pete. We are hey, not I've allowed ne- to drink until 21. I've never drank alcohol. I don't give a shit. But it's just, that's fine. It's just weird in the context. That I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They have to be 21. And they're all meant to be like 19 or 20. That's that's the other thing. Is like, oh no, they're going to card us. Okay, Mr. 28-year-old actor. Wink. Yeah, that's the, that's the other thing. Yeah, is that they're clearly all way older than that. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I was looking up some of the actors. I think Brenda Song is a year older than me, so she would have been 22 when this came out. So Okay. Yeah. All right. so, she, I mean, so when they were filming the scene, she'd probably just turned 21. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I it still needed to be... It still would have been able to drink, but regardless. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, it's... I think it's a really fascinating character study of a movie because you're kind mm-hmm. of watching it and seeing all the little things that you... Th- that you basically speculate, or you know, maybe right about how he holds all these little grudges, yeah, and how everything's just because okay, someone slighted him, so it's like okay, now they're just gone, they're dead. Because what he does to Eduardo, like I think there's maybe an argument early on that the movie could be like an arc, a traditional movie arc where he kind of learns something from his mm-hmm. from his time and by the end you kind of sympathize with him even though he did do some bad things to start with but that's not what this movie is in this movie he gets worse and then what he ultimately does to eduardo by tricking him out of like his shares of the company mm-hmm. is you know it's like okay you know you're the villain of this story mark like i'm sorry but y- you are yeah i mean it it is a th- strange thing where because the framing devices take place months after the main story actually takes place mm you do kind of get this idea that he may not be better. He might not be any more of a good person, but he is in a different mental space than he was in the story itself. Like he's either when it comes to the Winkle boss ones, I think he's just so over it. He's like, screw these guys. They aren't worth my time at all. But when it comes to the Eduardo case, I, I get the vibe here that like neither of them want this to be happening, but all the chips have already fallen like legally bound there's no way that he can just turn around and say okay here's your 30 percent back and we can just forget about everything it's like things are locked in the way they are and he's forced to just kind of ride this out and say no because of the choices i made i i have to at least pretend like i'm keeping this up in this thing the one thing i bring back to is uh eduardo was called in as a witness in the winklevoss case yes and even during that he's basically backing up mark he's like look they didn't use any or he didn't use any of their code he's he's completely outside of the realm of coverage here like he's this is a complete farce more or less he's backing him up in a separate case while still suing him himself he wants to do this fair and right and there's and that he moment think... where uh zuckerberg says that mm-hmm. eduardo's his best friend and then you mm-hmm. see the empty chair of where, where he was sitting when he was given that statement and yep. you know, so it's like, oh yeah, like you've ruined this friendship, and that happens early enough before you see a lot of the other. I mean, you see a little bit of the other disposition with with mm-hmm. uh, Eduardo's case, but I, I would say more of that's back half because more more of why that lawsuit's happening is later on in the story versus yeah. the the Winklevoss stuff. But it's it's a, it's a nice like sort of tease for like, okay, how bad does it get between those two? Like, why is he suing yeah. him? You know, it's a little that's, tease that, for that. That's also a great thing that they do with the structure of the movie is that because he keeps on doing these little things to eduardo the entire time you're never sure what's finally going to be the thing that breaks the camel's back what's finally going to be that moment where eduardo's like nope i'm taking it to court over this 
because it could have easily there was a point where he's super pissed off that sean parker is the one that's making these meetings with executives yeah, yeah. it could have easily have been there but it wasn't it could have easily been the part where he forced him to like move out to california but it wasn't it ended up being this moment where they forced him out of the company more or less it's especially mean that when he does find out what's happening then he, he blows up because he's found out what they've, what they've done to him he comes to that party thinking he's there to celebrate because he's part of the success. He's in a good yeah. mood. Like he, he's kind of like the, the the earlier disagreement they had about Sean Parker. They've kind of dealt with. And in fact, in the first scene with the lawyer, where he signs the the initial documents saying that he's going to have thirty four percent of the company, and he's quite happy about that. When they say that Sean's going to have like seven percent, mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? I can live with that. Like you know, yeah. he he's made his peace with it, and he's there to celebrate with Mark. He's excited. He's got a smile on his face. He's happy to be at the Facebook headquarters. He's probably mm-hmm. going to move here soon because this is where the headquarters are. He's probably he's quite happy, and then he gets completely hit by this truck. He sees this yeah. contract saying, "Hey, you've lost almost all of your value, uh, and and your shares, and yep. that that's obviously why he blows up as much as he does. But it makes it extra malicious. It's not like they were in a bad place." So you understand maybe why Mark then did something there, which might have still been too far, but at least you'd think, okay, they're fighting right now. No, mm. they've kind of made up. They were kind of on a better in a better place, at least as far as Eduardo was concerned, they were. Yeah. And mm. this was all going on anyway. It makes it even more malicious and makes it even more of a villainous move. See, but that's why I, what I was going to earlier, that's why I think this is just standard operating procedure for Mark in the entire time that Mark has known Eduardo, because he's, even after all of that, even after he's essentially uh, put Sean Parker in the position where he was supposed to be, he's still willing to forgive Mark. He's still willing to say, all right, bygones be bygones. We'll just move on and call it a day. But then eventually there is a breaking point. There is a point where it's just too much and he just can't forgive Mark. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's Mark never really values his friendship the entire mm-hmm. time. And yeah. there's a, maybe like a small couple of moments in the disposition where maybe he's kind of realized that after the fact, but he's he's just not going to admit it. He's never going to actually open himself up and admit what he's done is wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, There is um one scene in this movie that I think does a great job. It's actually during the sequence where christy is showing how insane she is yes <laughs> um and basically just prior to that scene because sean was having such a heavy hand in things eduardo went in and basically closed their account at the bank so yeah. they're unable to get any of their money out and so mark calls him up and basically just lays into him and i think it's the one time we almost get emotional response from zuckerberg and he basically lets out, like, no, I don't want to go back to that life of being unable to cash checks. He's like, basically, he's saying, like, no, I, as much as I don't care about the money, I care about the ability to just live carefree. I want to be yeah. able to just do the things I want to do without caring about the ins and outs of, what? you know, how much is in my account. Which in a weird way is almost the hypocrisy of, no, you do care about the money. You keep saying you don't. Yeah. And maybe in a, a technical way you don't but if you want the lifestyle that comes with it then you kind of do it's the sort of it's the sort of thing of when you have enough money you don't care about it because it's always going to be there yeah yeah it's just not a concern yeah yeah i think that phone call is interesting because like you say he kind of like has a almost emotional reaction and he's upset that this account's being closed and he's he blames eduardo and says oh you're threatening everything that i've built up not we've built up i've built up Mm -hmm. and it's why that you never sympathize with him in that entire scene because 
you're upset that your free ride has been taken away and i'm sure yeah he doesn't go with sean and get like a five hundred thousand dollar investment like right. the next day so it's not that big a deal in the long run but the way his entitlement well, that's a great scene showing his entitlement and that mm-hmm. he's been wronged by right but honestly like i think by this point in the movie you're you're kind of just on eduardo's side you're like yeah eduardo oh, yeah. was right to make this point and say no i funded this to begin with and you're disregarding me you're treating me like i am this just tool to be used when it's convenient for you and that is it hell the start of this movie was he comes in and zuckerberg says okay i need your algorithm to write this thing that i'm working on Mm -hmm. and he gives in and gives it to him and that's it he's used them there and he just keeps using them throughout the movie even then he he asks him for the algorithm but the whole reason why eduardo's even there in the first place is to ask him hey i saw that you broke up with your girlfriend that's a great point yeah that is a fantastic point. He is yeah. there as a friend to see if you're okay because you broke up with someone. And because mm-hmm. of what you wrote in your blog, you sound like you're pretty upset. Yeah. Like, you know, I, that is a fantastic point. Yeah, the entire movie opens with him showing concern uh, friendship and Zuckerberg responds with, give me thing I want mm-hmm. and proceeds to use it and use yeah. him. It's, this is not a flattering movie for Mark no. Zuckerberg as a person. <laughs> not at all, not at all. It does not paint him in a good light whatsoever it's, which is uh, why which is why i would love for there to be a sequel just to see what happens when the general public is also on that same side where everyone thinks zuckerberg is just a prick i imagine like yeah doing scenes where they're talking about like choosing to promote certain political messages or or, mm-hmm. or you know maybe erase certain things and you know yeah. just all i mean not even shady not stuff. even just that we have a sequence in this movie where he leaves a class because he gets handed a note that says you dick and it's for the face mash stuff imagine how he reacts to his entire platform that he <laughs> built calling him out for being like a gross looking lizard person like he would there's no way he'd be able to emotionally recover from that I mean, I, I guess that's the, the huge irony of the story is that this is a guy who basically couldn't have or maintain a friendship. He built mm-hmm. the place that was known for friends connecting to each other. He, that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it says on on Facebook is how many friends do you have? That, that's yeah. that's how it's phrased. He built this. It's it's this like almost pathetic attempt by someone who couldn't do it the normal way, so he did this big, huge like computer version of it. Yeah, I, 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 I also think that it's I also think that it's interesting to me just viewing Facebook on a whole is that you have quantitative data here. You say how many friends, not how good of friends are you with yes. people, not not like, oh, well, here's your best friend, the people you care about the most. No, it's just like, how many friends can you build up? How many people can you make connections with, however dry or meaningless they may be? And it was a fad for a while where people actually cared about that. And yeah. then as time went on, people realized, oh, this is all kind of... This is this is like... It's like a really crap video game where all you're trying to do is get the highest number. And yeah. you just get... And that's not to say that social media as a whole doesn't have some value in some ways. It absolutely does. I've met many mm-hmm. people through the forms of social media. Um, yeah. So, but ultimately, yeah, there's a lot of negative qualities that come with it. And this movie's not necessarily trying to explore those, but I do think it's interesting no. to bring them up just in the sense of how it maybe relates thematically to who Zuckerberg is, or at least how he's presented in this movie, and mm-hmm. and in what ways he's trying to make up for his social uh, weaknesses, shall we say. Um, yeah. 
but it's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, it feels like he's out to prove something. It feels like he's out to prove everyone that he was right and he is more important than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that's kind of, I mean, if nothing else, the way we've talked about this movie, we've not necessarily we've talked obviously a little bit about editing and and dialogue right. and things like that. But we've talked maybe more about the characters and the subject more mm-hmm. so than the the filmmaking side of it. And I think that's because it's just an inherently interesting topic that the movie presents in a very digestible way. Yeah. See, that's the thing. If, if With a movie that is nothing but essentially programming and legal situations, like, <laughs> this shouldn't work as a movie, but because of the way it's written, because of the way it's filmed, it does. It, it's engaging. It really works on almost every level. I There's only maybe one or two missteps that I would fully say are mistakes, but the rest of it is just down to taste. So, I enjoyed it. Well, uh, we could probably uh, rate the movie then. Uh, yeah. If we're at that point. Uh, what are you the, giving the, the social network? The only thing I wanted to throw in real quick is that uh, in the Where Are They Now segment right at the end, oh, yeah. the, the Winklevoss twins rode crew in the Olympics, and they came in sixth. <laughs> Just to say, like, yep, not even that extraordinary but in that one thing. they did get, what, $60 million in settlement? Yeah, like so. 65 something yeah. like that. So. Uh, it's unknown what Eduardo got, although I would like to think it's probably more, because since he was more tied to everything in the first place. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, uh... Like, even in the cases, I think it's how the movie presents it, but it seems like the Winklevosses aren't really supposed to have a case. Like, it's not something that the audience is supposed to agree on, but you're definitely supposed to agree on Eduardo's. Yeah, I think the Winklevoss, like, legally, they might not have a case, but you do feel like they were wronged for, mm-hmm. for you know, they, they, he did do something bad to them. So, in some level, they, they, I think morally, it feels like they deserve something. So, yeah, know. that's fair. Yeah. But, yeah, about as Rashida Jones says at the, the end, just pay the settlements. And in the long run, it's basically a speeding ticket with how much you're mm-hmm. going to make. And yes, like, obviously, yeah. billions and billions of dollars later, we are where we are. So, advertising on the website that's not cool you know what's cool selling personal data that's cool <laughs> and you get adverts on facebook yeah now, i anyway. mean that too but whatever. Yeah. that's only once they ran out of personal data anyway <laughs> um rating for this i mean i i was saying it at the beginning i consider this to be one of fincher's best films i think that it is something that everyone in our generation forward can really like understand and relate to because we were there for this. We were understanding the impact that like social media has. And as I said, like this movie is not about the social media side itself, but it does kind of cover this internet generation that we're all growing up in where, you know, yeah. In a weird way, it kind of, it shows some of the effects as they start to ripple into this, this, these characters and their story. Mm -hmm in a way that's quite smart, despite the fact that this is about a world before social media became, you know, what it was at its height. This yeah. is this is the early days of it. Right. It is, there was a scene where he met Christy, and, you know, they're talking briefly at this little conference thing, and then she just ends it by saying, hey, Facebook me, and then walks away. It's like, well, that's now what the engage. It's not sharing numbers or anything anymore. It's just linking together profiles. So, yeah, I, either way, I enjoyed pretty much every aspect of this. I listed my few criticisms where i had them but i would put this slightly above seven but i will give it the same rating of a nine i think this is top tier from fincher yeah uh i'm also gonna go with a nine uh this is one that 
unlike some of the other films where I hadn't seen them in a long time or some have gotten worse or better over time, this is one that's basically just stayed the same. And I don't know if that's just because I was already 21 when I saw this, so I've not aged as right. much mentally since then compared <laughs> to some of the other ones. But this is it's very well written. It's solidly directed. The way it's edited, the way all the stories are intertwining, it works really well. I was impressed on this viewing how quickly the movie passed for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really surprised when I realized, oh shit, I'm already halfway through when I thought I was maybe 20 minutes in. So yeah. these are all excellent qualities and uh, should it should be commended for that. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 9 out of 10. I think it's really good. It's a very different film for Fincher as well. But uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, very good. And, and then the age-old question, does this movie make the cut? It does I make think the obviously. cut. Yeah. Question is, do we want to give it that extra little mile? Did we, we think it, this is a cut above? Did we give it to seven? We did not give it to seven. Well, then, but then no. <laughs> as I would say, I consider this to be above seven. But I do I, not. <laughs> that's fair. I, I'll I'll make that I'll make that little backtrack for you. I yeah. think that this is it's it's a weird thing where this movie is very clearly dated. It is very much set in a specific time period. And I don't know how future generations are going to feel about this movie because by that point, social media may have changed entirely. It may not be something that is as relatable as it is to us. And if anything, even just for us, you know, just over a decade later from this movie, things have already changed so much. But Facebook's very much still a big thing and it's still there, Mm -hmm. but it's not the, the leading social media platform necessarily. And it's certainly got a very different like people look at it differently it's got a very different attitude and certainly everyone that i know who used to be on facebook most of them have left most of them do not use it anymore i still remember when i was editing for the comics channel one time you were like hey you can stop putting the facebook link in the description (laughs) we don't need that anymore i i shut down the facebook page for mail fuzz i just i just didn't see the value in it anymore so things have just you know they've changed so much since this movie came out so it's that weird thing where I don't think the topic of the movie will age because it was already a period piece effectively when it came out. Mm-hmm. But we're getting kind of removed from the relevance of Facebook to a point where even like in 20 years, I, I think Facebook might still exist in some form, but young people who see this movie at 18 or whatever might go, oh, what is, I'm not sure I'm not sure what Facebook is or what, what it's oh, for. That thing they keep wanting me to sign up for when I go on Instagram? That thing? <laughs> That's true. Instagram might single-handedly keep it relatively, well, relevant, yeah. <laughs> just because it's mm-hmm. kind of tied to that. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of funny. Oh, well. I, there you go. I'm, I'm telling you, man, if they ever want to come out with, not even a direct sequel, but just the story of the downfall of Facebook, especially like, you know, the Cambridge Analytica stuff, the political messages, and then mm. just how everyone's parents are on it, I'd watch that just as easily as I'd watch this, regardless of who was... I mean, if Aaron Sorkin was writing it again, double. I think that, it has to but... be Sorkin writing for me to be yeah. excited. I think if it was anyone else, I'd be like, well, I'll have to take a wait and see approach. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, so. Yeah, I, I think the movie ultimately works because it is this character study and it ends on that moment of the, the friend request because mm-hmm. one, that's the main thing people think of when they think of Facebook is the friend request. It's the, the key idea. There's a horror movie called Friend Request because that's the, the key <laughs> thing you do on Facebook is send friend requests. Yeah. So ending the whole thing and him sending a friend request and being like basically nervous about if it'll be accepted or not. That is the perfect, you know, punctuation, full stop on the story, on this character that we've been presenting for two hours. But 
you'd have to have like a, a new story that has a beginning middle and end for a potential follow-up and i'm not sure yeah. if there is one necessarily it's just up to other people to decide yeah i mean can you imagine this movie instead of ending on a friend request it ended on like oh you poked erica wait for poke back refresh refresh <laughs> refresh or although it'd be funny if he just opened up his laptop and like all, all he saw was a post saying hey everyone we're going over to twitter and just yeah. <laughs> like just see this angry it's like it's like the start of a shared universe we're like what is this twitter and then the next movie's twitter <laughs> you see you see jack dorsey step out of the shadows mark zuckerberg you think that you're the only one you've just entered a bigger universe <laughs> and then the end of that it's just a shadowy figure of elon musk coming out of the the back room <laughs> he, he he picks up a pile of four billion dollars says fine i'll do it myself <laughs> Very good, very good. Uh, and Elon Musk is apparently talking about charging everyone for Twitter, so that's going to go under mm. very soon if that happens, because yep. I ain't paying for Twitter, I'll tell you that. Nope, screw that. And the more people who refuse to pay for Twitter and don't use it, the less valuable it is to the people who are even willing to pay for it, because mm -hmm. half the audience, probably more than half, will be gone, so what's the yep. point at that point? So, oh well. Uh, we'll be on some social media, wherever that may be. Oh, I'll be on YouTube. And yeah, that's fair. Whatever else pops up, Is YouTube up, I guess. social media? Does that count Not as social really. media? It's kind, of, it's kind of tangentially, because you can comment and, mm. like, you know, I don't know. But, like, that's all we need, really. Uh, yeah. But, yes, thank you very much for joining us. You can, of course, support all the, the content over at patreon.com slash TV and get your, your bonus items. Uh, mm -hmm. This month, we had the final bonus episode because it's getting the, the bonus episode every month is getting replaced with the criterion cut every month on patreon but either way final episode was the snowman this month you can get that at the three dollar and up tiers at five dollar and up on patreon you can get access to extra reels which is our show where we do some of the worst movies ever made and this month uh, we did the guy from harlem or we will be doing depending on what time of the month this goes out but, yeah it's around about yeah so that'll be out this month so go check out that and you get bonuses for the other movie shows and stuff uh so next week it'll be the the killer and then we have two final fincher movies after that to still get to the only one we're not doing is girl with the dragon tattoo which we'll get to someday in a dragon tattoo you know franchise season yeah. of it's some a kind. month so anywho that is the show thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it keep watching movies and uh i i i, I never abused the chicken